Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. I'm Oliver Hartwig and we are joined once again by Matt Burgess. Hi Matt. Hi Oliver. We need to take another look at the Climate Change Commission. We need to talk about the Emissions Trading Scheme again. And this time it was all triggered by an article published by one of the commissioners, Catherine Lining, in Business Desk last week. The headline of her piece was Why the ETS is Not Enough. Why is it not enough? Well, Commissioner Lining says that the ETS may be a least cost way to reduce emissions, uh, but it's not going to do other things. It's not going to protect tenants from their landlords and the split incentives that apparently they face. It's not going to resolve equity concerns. It's not going to deal with other social and economic issues that could come about. It's not going to encourage enough R&D. The ETS isn't going to take account of the effects on energy supply. The ETS isn't necessarily going to give effect to the treaty, nor is it going to resolve past grievances. Yes, uh, one of the commissioners for the Climate Change Commission says we need emissions policies that resolve historic grievances. I disagree. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought rather naively that the ETS was about cutting emissions in the most efficient way. Nobody had ever claimed that the ETS was a tool to achieve other social goals, solving the housing market or increasing R&D or sorting out our energy supply. That was never what the ETS was designed to do. Why should it be the tool to achieve all sorts of other goals now? We want emissions policies dealing with those other things if those other things contribute to climate change. Ultimately, the Climate Change Commission's job is is mitigation. As far as I'm aware, the only thing that causes climate change... Um, at least from the perspective of people, is greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, inequality doesn't cause climate change, nor do treaty breaches, nor do social and economic issues, nor do issues around the energy supply. Obviously, any emissions policy or any policy to do with anything can't be harming the poor. It can't be damaging landscapes and the environment um, uh, and so on. So I think They have to be taken into account in the sense of constraints. Lining's article implies a view that um, emissions emissions policy should be about more than just dealing with them constraints. Emissions policy should actually be providing those things. Now, the problem with that is that you can only pursue those other objectives at the expense of what should be the Commission's core business, which is reducing emissions. It is, of course, totally legitimate to be concerned about inequality. But your point is that the ETS is not designed to solve that problem, and it can't really solve it. And the Commission's logic is backwards, because if you're cutting emissions at $500 a tonne, which is what the Commission's plan is going to do, uh, then arguably, almost certainly, you are taking money out of the pockets of people on low incomes. Almost certainly, you're hitting low-income households the hardest. That's the evidence we have from NZIER three years ago. who found that low-income households uh, proportionately bear six times the hit uh, compared to uh, the highest quintile households. Um, if the Commission wants to cut emissions um, at between five and ten times the cost, it's going to be hurting people at the bottom the most. So it's all very well to say that we need to do more than the ETS. If the thing you're proposing to do in the place of the ETS or alongside it um, is actually worse for, for equity or worse for landscapes or worse for prosperity, I think all of those things arguably are true, then actually you've got the argument backwards. Okay, but doesn't Commissioner Lining have a point in some ways? I mean, we at the initiative, we've argued for a carbon dividend, for example, precisely because of these equity concerns. 
So we've argued that we should take the revenues from the emissions trading scheme and actually pay it out as dividends to all households in order to compensate especially people on lower incomes for their contribution to solving climate change. You know, a carbon dividend, what you just said, ticks every box. It's progressive. It builds political support for the system that cuts the most emissions for the least cost, the ETS. It's simple uh, and arguably dem- demonstrated to be effective politically, um, at least in other, co- in, uh, in other countries. A glaring omission from the advice in the Commission's hundreds of pages that it sent to the government in May is the lack of any um, support for a carbon dividend. The Commission complains at length about the political risks or political feasibility of the ETS. It worries about equity, and yet it somehow cannot bring itself to recommend a uh, progressive carbon dividend. Wouldn't a carbon dividend be the perfect example of a policy where the ETS simply isn't enough because it would complement the ETS. So in a way, if you take Lining's statement that the ETS isn't enough as a starting point, we would probably go along with it for a bit at least, saying, okay, there are other things you could do alongside it without destroying the emissions-reducing capacity of the ETS. Well, not really. I mean, the carbon dividend is funded by the ETS, so really um, they go hand in glove, right? It's a complementary policy. A complementary thing, so I guess you could... So really, frankly, I think of the carbon dividend as really just part of the ETS. It's just, you know, the thing you do with the revenue. Um, All the alternatives, um, I think, are distinct in the sense of they don't buy you anything. They don't, you know, if the government could use the money instead of writing checks to households, it could spend it on all kinds of things that probably will not have any effect on emissions because it's already been capped by the ETS. Mm -hmm. Um, A carbon dividend is just a very natural thing to do with the revenue from the ETS. But that kind of complementarity is then not what commissioner lining means what she has in mind is something completely different she wants to have policies alongside the ets that have nothing to do with it she wants to be doing emissions reductions policies um, alongside and underneath the ets emissions cap which makes no sense of course as we've discussed if you've already capped emissions then other policies EV subsidies um, taxes on on utes um, you name it if they're already covered by the cap they can't reduce the emissions any further so um, when Lining talks about complementary policies, she's not talking about reducing even a single tonne of emissions. She's talking about meeting some political objective or something. These are independent public servants. They're supposed to be doing what works. Um, and yet somehow the Climate Change Commission cannot bring itself to focus on emissions, do what works, and advise against doing everything that makes no difference or is actually bad for the environment. For example, the train service between Hamilton and Auckland. So she's going well beyond the mandate given to the Climate Change Commission. I mean, the Climate Change Commission is supposed to have regard to all sorts of things, but it's not supposed to fix all sorts of issues. Whereas in her article, she mentions quite a few examples, forestry management, for example, or finding alternative energy sources for the system, or dealing with R&D. So all sorts of things that the Climate Change Commission is now defining as worth pursuing, almost irrespective of the results on emissions. Not just irrespective, at the expense of. So, you know, basic logic, you can only pursue one objective. Um, uh, if you're going to pursue other objectives, it must necessarily be at the expense of um, of emissions. If you're trying to create a circular economy, encourage R&D, deal with treaty breaches, try to solving, uh, improve inequality, if you're doing those other things, it has to be at the expense of emissions. You're doing second best on emissions. Now, the problem is, it's not that you lose 5% of your emissions benefits. 
you're losing 80 or 90 or 95% of your emissions benefits. So the commission's doing talking about all of these other things that we all can all agree are desirable objectives. No one's saying the objectives aren't desirable. But the commission's pushing these other things without an awareness and without making clear the associated emissions penalty. And in, it's, in that sense, her piece was extremely misleading because the headline was why the ETS is not enough. Well, um, if you just read the headline without reading the further piece, you might think, okay, maybe there are other ways in which we can also cut emissions, only to find out that her piece wasn't really about cutting emissions at all. Yeah, so when Lining says the ETS is not enough, she's not talking about emissions. She's talking about all the other objectives we just talked about. The ETS won't deal with those other things. It and wasn't designed to. Those things have nothing to do with emissions. You can only pursue those other things at the expense of our of our of the core target of lower emissions. The commission's distraction on that point is what's going to sink our ability to get to our targets. So it's kind of important. And she is effectively contradicting her own commission. Because at a carbon price of currently $49, we are on track of reaching net zero by 2050 according to her commission's own calculations. In its draft and final report two months ago, the commission said $50 ETS gets us to our emissions targets, and yet here we have Commissioner Lining saying the ETS is not enough. The way that you reconcile that is because she's not talking about emissions, and frankly, she could be a little clearer about what she is talking about. It would, I think, be helpful for everybody to reveal the absurdity, quite frankly, of a climate change commissioner talking about all the things um, that she thinks emissions policy should be doing, but aren't. Those things have nothing to do with emissions or climate change. Some time ago, a politician said that if you are the minister for climate change, eventually you're the minister for everything because you have a um, finger in every pie, basically, and you can control the whole economy. With the Climate Change Commission, it's a bit like that. You are the Climate Change Commission, and you now feel empowered, well, tasked, really, with sorting out all sorts of things in the New Zealand economy. Is that the problem that the Climate Change Commission is facing now? The Climate Change Commission is advisory, so it's clearly interested in having influence over everything. Um, but it only works if the population agrees to it. If the population um, goes along with the idea that we need experts in climate change thinking about how to solve inequality. We already have agencies that do that. They're actually really good at what they do. They have the tools that are effective. You can measure the effect of the tax system and welfare on inequality. Experts in climate change don't know anything about that. About the only people I'd rather have in charge of um, those complicated social and cultural issues um, are probably economists. Um, but climate change experts would have to be a close second. We just don't need the Climate Change Commission operating in that space. It needs to focus on emissions. It can focus on emissions without um, it, without being at the expense of those other issues. We have other experts elsewhere dealing with those things. The Commission can just focus on emissions. And indeed, it's going to do less harm to inequality and less harm to people at the bottom end if it just focuses on best bang for buck on emissions. You say we don't need the Climate Change Commission operating in this space, but actually, do we need the Climate Change Commission at all, then, if it behaves like that? The Commission currently, look, its lack of focus on emissions is to the point where it's threatening our emissions targets. It's Everything it recommends, just about, is actually taking us away from our emissions targets. So clearly, we need a commission that's focused on emissions um, and is not prepared to let other things get in the way of that. It needs to understand that its jobs, emissions, it's the government's jobs to protect people that need protecting as we reduce emissions. There are going to be consequences. People need to be protected. There doesn't have to be experts in climate change doing the protection. 
Um, we also need a commission that understands that it can only be making its decisions in view of the trade-offs, which in climate policy can be really steep. If you're doing second-best climate policy because you're trying to do other things, you may be losing 90 or 95% of your emissions benefits. You need to be aware of that when you send your advice to the government, and that's not happening with the Climate Change Commission currently. So I think the commission should be either shut down or it should be reformed such that um, emissions becomes its only priority subject to the constraints of political feasibility and working within the constraints that communities set, for example, on tree planting. But we need a commission that understands that to cut the most emissions, we need to be worried about cost effectiveness. We need a commission that's aware that allowing non-neutrality around technology or onshore, offshore, this all comes in at the expense of actually the core business of cutting emissions. We need a um, we need a rational scientific body. We don't have it at the moment. So it needs to be shut or reformed. But the current model isn't going to get us to our emissions targets. We're going to miss it if we keep going on the current track. Thank you, Matt. And thank you for holding the Climate Change Commission to account. I think we'll hear a lot more from you in the future. Thanks, Oliver.